The dawn of civilization. Primitive. Dangerous. Exciting. The handwriting is on the wall. If the human race is ever going to amount to anything, it needs... The most civilized caveman I have ever seen. Ah, look who's come out of his cave. Hey everyone, this is James from Cave Dweller Music. Thanks for tuning in. I have my co-host Brandon with me today, and we have three guests today. We have Betty Benedetti, Braden Guess, both from Sheverb and the new album they did together under the Betty Benedetti name, as well as Brad Fry from Desert Records, who is putting the album out. So thanks again for coming back on the show, Brad, and welcome to the show for the first time, everyone else. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. No thanks problem. for having me again, James. Anytime. You're always welcome. Um, so Betty, do you want to just tell us a little bit about, uh, yourself and your music for anyone who's not familiar with your projects? Sure. Um, my name is Betty Benedetti. Austin, Texas is a home base, but I've been doing a whole lot of wandering around the Southwest, uh, these last couple of years. I usually define my music, something along the lines of psychedelic spaghetti, Western, surfy, rootsy, folky, uh trance inducing rock and roll <laughs> um yeah uh i play i like to play guitar too awesome and um so you started originally with shiva before you started the solo stuff with under the betty benedetti name right yeah, um, she verb uh, was birthed between myself and Zena Ocasio, the drummer, uh, in 2016. Um, and at the time, actually, we were both going through some big life transitions and picking up our instruments for the first time. I had just picked up guitar in like 2015. Zena was just getting into drums um, and she verb kind of took off from there. Um, Shiverb was very much a, a, a cerebral project that involved us kind of using the spaghetti Western lens uh, and calling out a lot of feminist topics. Um, yeah, I could talk about that all day. Um, and then let's jump to when Betty Bennett Dudley started as a solo project. That was really when the pandemic um, kind of changed all of our lives and doing a big five piece rock and roll band wasn't quite so feasible. Um, I took out the bench seats in the tour van and drove myself to Taos, New Mexico, where I kind of ended up hovering for a couple months, writing a lot of new stuff, um, that was just a lot more introspective. Um, I used, the phrase prayer songs a lot during that chapter and decided that um, it was time to have a, a kind of a different outlet for this very different thing that bubbled up um, during the solitude of pandemic, um, which is by no means a unique experience. I'm sure there's at least a few souls out there that are going to hear this and it's going to resonate with them because uh, on the travels, it's been pretty remarkable how many people have experienced a very similar thing and started doing solo projects and um, collaborations kind of born of a, of a similar um, energy. Definitely. Uh, there's been a lot of really cool collaborations born out of the last two to three years that I've never would have seen yeah. coming in uh, before that. And especially sort of uh, like genre bending stuff between projects that you wouldn't kind of assume uh, go together. And I, I love it. I love the, uh, the creativity that's kind of been birthed out of a terrible thing. Yeah, right. totally. It's, it's been a renaissance, really. 
Yeah, exactly. As Brendan said, that's how we started uh, our podcast and our site that was all born out of COVID boredom. <laughs> um, and then uh, before we jump into the new album, I just want to just catch up with Brad for a second. Brad, um, since we last spoke, you have started your own sort of PR business on the side. Uh, congratulations on that. Oh, I think you might be muted. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, I did and uh, called Desert Bloom PR and uh, and you did too, right? Yeah, I did yeah. too. Cool. Yeah, it's 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 the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, how's that going? I haven't announced it too much. I've just been kind of keep it on, kind of on the DL uh, as I'm working uh, slowly at it because uh, you know the the label is is a lot of time and uh, the band, my band Red Mesa, is a lot of time and um, I uh, I feel like I've. I'm just barely balancing it all, but it's working. So, um, but it's going good. I got a, I got a bunch of clients right now, a bunch of bands. Awesome. A lot on the, a lot on the East coast. Uh, That's cool. Doing the kind of the stoner doom thing, you know? Yeah, I, I totally get it. I'm, I'm in the exact same boat where I haven't really pushed it publicly just because I don't have the bandwidth to uh, yeah. dedicate as much time. If I, if I did, I reckon I could push it like to something, but it's just finding more hours in the day. Um, so well, when, when we team up, and uh and merge our company yeah, exactly it's gonna be great <laughs> be unstoppable <laughs> um, yeah and red mesa how's that going i know you've uh you had that single come out since we last spoke on, on the podcast um is there anything new in the works is there anything coming soon or yeah well uh we're finishing writing a record right now and we're gonna record in april so oh, it'll that's be awesome. seven tracks a lot of riffs probably just we seem to get heavier every album um and this one's gonna be there's a lot going on a lot of riffs and a lot of psychedelic parts and um yeah it's gonna be really cool can't wait can't wait to hear it done i think this has got to be the new red mesa t-shirt or something a lot of riffs getting heavier oh yeah (laughs) yeah that's cool (laughs) yeah um and we got to we got to play and uh with betty when uh betty came through Betty and Braden came through with Sheverb and Betty's uh, uh, album release for um, uh, from the Mesa and mm-hmm. uh, a couple years ago, and that was really cool. And uh, we all got to jam at Sister Bar here in Albuquerque. It was a super fun night. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and then I kind of wanted to ask oh, about something got, you did last year. That's Wyatt. I haven't gotten to see little Wyatt in in at least a couple months. Oh, oh my goodness. Hello. Because he's got to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> I know, dude. It's all right. You say hi. You say bye bye. Okay. Let's say bye bye. Okay. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Anyone listening, that was a surprise guest. <laughs> um, yes. And Brad, I just wanted to just quickly ask you about something you did last year, which we haven't had a chance to talk about. And I wish we could have been there was um, Monolith on the Mesa. Um, absolutely awesome that you were involved with that. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, you said it's happening again this year. Mm, so it's it's um, Roman Barham. He's really really close friend of mine, and and uh, he's my drummer in Red Mesa, and that's mm-hmm. his his festival. And I've been really honored to be able to be a part of it. I've been a vendor for the two couple years that they've had it. Uh, his uh, business partner and uh, and very close friend Dano Sanchez passed away um in 2021 um and uh so roman did it all by himself in 2022 and that was in september 
up in Taos this past year. And it was, it was really magical, man. Like, uh, you know, like to end the, end the whole three days, it was like, I hate God. And then yawning man, which is like such a weird, you know, one, two combo to end the whole thing. And it was like, perfect, you know? Um, And uh, yeah, it's really cool. Not doing it this year, uh, (laughs) but I'm going to, I'll, I'll, I'll keep you posted about what's happening. There is going to be something monolith Mesa related happening in Albuquerque. And uh, I'm going to help Roman with that and I'll help announce it. And I'll definitely let you know. And you guys need to come out for that. Yeah, we'll be there. hundred percent. We were talking about this actually. Uh, Brendan and I are going to make the trip. Yeah. I was going to make some banners and some tablecloths, get them all branded up on some cave dollar stuff and have some fun. A tablecloth? Yeah. (laughs) He's being excited about that. I'm all about making an awesome little presentation for the booth, you know? Mm, mm. (laughs) I thought you meant you were going to start selling like cave dweller related houseware. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I'm not against that. I mean, we can if you'd like to. (laughs) If there's a market. I'll um, take take a tablecloth from my kitchen table. There you go. Yeah. There you go. First order's done. Um, Awesome. Okay. Uh, I guess we should talk about at the Institute of uh, Mental Physics. That is the new album coming out. Uh, What is the release date on that one? February 7th. It already came out. Oh, it's out. Okay. I am am late to the party. There you go. Uh, Uh, I have listened to it. I do love it's it. Uh, yeah, great album. Awesome work. Thanks, man. Thank, Thank you. you. So um, I guess what was sort of the inspiration for this album? I know each of your albums has a very personal story that kind of relates to what's going on in your life at the time. So what was sort of the driving force behind this one? Mm. Man, um, I'll just start by saying that there are so many infinite uh, endless stories kind of packed into this experience you feel free to reel me in everyone <laughs> at any time um because i could sure go on and on about all of it but i guess to start um when i was wandering around joshua tree in my van with the chickens and writing the adventures of mabel and carter i befriended some uh folks who were on the board of the Institute of Mental Mental Physics, which is now um, known as the Joshua Tree Retreat Center. And um, I got to play some kind of little backyard parties uh, for this particular group of people. And the the music was resonating with them. And, and I started asking a lot of questions about the Institute of Mental Physics because I had been on that property once before for desert days in, I want to say 2017, Psychedelic Music Festival uh, in um, Joshua Tree. And so I was kind of familiar with this strange property that had all of these retro mid-century modern uh, structures on it and didn't really know what they had going on there. But they... um, it's a fascinating property that goes back to the forties and we can get into that in a minute. It's a really worthwhile trippy story. Um, But in short, you know, I started asking if they'd ever done um, artistic residencies at this Institute and they were very open to it. Um, 
you know, it's been running since the 40s. So it's gone through some different chapters of leadership and the folks who are running it now um, are running it as uh, as a nonprofit. And they're trying to have some very community oriented, community facing programming um, at the heart and ethos of, of what they're doing there. Um, and so it was kind of like right conversation, right time, right place. And they were open to uh, having some musicians live on site and and write and record an album. So that was like where it all began. But then once those initial doors opened, Brayden and I um, had been collaborating a lot musically. Brayden served as musical director and actually did a lot of the recording on both from the Mesa and the adventures of Mabel and Carter, but had kind of been behind the scenes on those projects. Um, and brought in for recording. So for this one, we were collaborating a lot more openly from the beginning and had kind of settled into this idea of wanting to explore um, the intersection of psychedelic and folk music. Um, Yeah, which, which honestly kind of started when a friend taught me the old, old folk tune Shady Grove if you don't know it, look it up after this and and Grateful Dead immediately. It's a very old folk tune that's ingrained in everyone's um, DNA, I think. Um, so I a like friend of mine, Dead. what's that? I said I feel like I've heard the Grateful Dead play it a bunch. Like, I think you're right. I, yeah, people have told me that. I can't say yeah. I'm familiar it's... enough with the Grateful Dead catalog to comment, but I yeah. think you're right. I'm not yeah. a deadhead personally, but uh, I'll take your word for it, Brendan. <laughs> so, yeah, an old kind I of bluegrass picking friend had taught me that song, and I started playing it through, like, you know, all the fun, crazy pedals and getting all the psychedelic tones. And that was kind of like the very surface level beginning. But then when we took the the idea, that basic formula of, of where does psychedelic music and folk music intersect or how do we want to play with that intersection out there it kind of spun off and took took on a life of its own really anything to add to that i think you just about said it there yeah Yeah. um i'll i'll take a breather but i can keep going on this timeline (laughs) well i was was hoping you uh, i wanted to kind of hear the story uh the history of the property that you were mentioning oh totally okay Buckle up. <laughs> um, in the 1920s, <laughs> there awesome. was um, a gentleman, uh, British, I believe, right, yeah. named Edwin Dingle, who went to China. He was covering the revolution happening there and um, as a journalist and ended up becoming really fascinated with Eastern systems of enlightenment and kind of esoteric knowledge systems and claims to have walked 900 miles into Tibet and studied with monks where he realized he was um, a born again reincarnate of an old monk soul of this order. Uh, They studied with him for years. Um, He learned pranayama, like breath work, meditation, yoga, got very into vegetarianism, and then came to the United States to help share these philosophical systems of enlightenment with the West. Um, 
supposedly went down to Joshua Tree, saw a beam of light come out of the sky that told him where he needed to buy a bunch of property and uh, start his kind of center for um, for sharing and teaching, cross-pollinating all kinds of um, systems of enlightenment. And he called his particular brand or flavor of all of the these systems that he took with him from the East, um, mental physics. Um, and he was doing kind of a lot of preaching, a lot of guided meditation. Again, breath work uh, was very central to it. Um, and he kind of started amassing a following. I think he got to a couple hundred thousand people and he had visions of building a utopian society uh, in the Southern California desert. He bought or they broke ground, I should say, on the land that is now known as the Institute of Mental Physics in 1941. And then he started engaging um, Frank Lloyd Wright who ultimately didn't want to work with him. So the son, Lloyd Wright Jr., was um, contracted to build a lot of the build initial buildings that are there. And they're these historically fascinating. We watched a whole like couple hour lecture from the, the gentleman who just earned this property, its historical landmark designation. And he'd done a really interesting um, job researching like specifically a lot of points of interest around the architecture of, of the sites, but, you know, they were quarrying rocks on site and doing some really innovative architectural things all the while kind of trying to build up an audience um, and attract people to things like yoga and vegetarianism back then. Um, so Edwin Dingle passed away in oh who became known as Ding LeMay um you'll often see him referred to as that that was the name he took after studying with the Tibetan monks Ding LeMay um he passed away in the 70s and then the property um you know has gone through a couple of different chapters since then uh the the cottage that we were given to to stay in when, when we lived there for this one month residency was one of the very, very first structures built on site. It was a little cottage from like 1941. And it was our, the neighboring building was Ding, the Ding LeMay house, this like architectural kind of wonder of a building. All of the buildings around us were uninhabited and have been for a very long time. So it was, it, I mean, it, it's not like we we did live in kind of this little ghost town of what once was the headquarters of the Institute of Mental Physics um, from the 40s. The, and the one cottage that we had, I mean, our whole backyard was just endless acres of undeveloped Joshua tree. So we did a whole lot of walking and exploring um, out there, especially when we were in our songwriting chapter. Um, yeah, in a nutshell, that's the Institute of Mental Physics. Yeah, it was intended to be an entire city, but the the I don't believe the funds didn't quite yeah. make make it that far. It was <laughs> going to be the city of mental physics. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I there's so much cool sort of like unknown history in that whole area, um, sort of between like the California coast and Vegas. Um, like uh, have you obviously uh, I'm assuming yes, but have you been out to Slab City and East Jesus and all that as well? Oh yes. We have a lot of friends that live out there and play out there pretty regularly. 
Yeah, that's if anyone who's listening hasn't been there, it's a fascinating place. I, I highly recommend visit. I've only been once, but it was like it's a it's an experience unlike anything else. I'll add Bombay Beach to that list of amazingly fascinating communities in that little neck of the woods too. I haven't actually haven't been to that one. Uh, is that sort of around that area as well? Yeah, um, Bombay Beach was uh, a little intended to be a beachside resort community on the Salton Sea that was built up largely in the 50s and 60s. Um, And then the Salton Sea, which is right there by Slab City, experienced kind of like a a cascading ecological collapse. And there were massive fish die-offs and the whole area got pretty gnarly. And a lot of uh, Bombay Beach, which had been this little um, resort boom town, got deserted. Almost. It wasn't ever quite a ghost town, but it was largely deserted, like way more than 50%. It was a one square mile. It is. It's still there. It's a one square mile, basically, little beachside resort. And like all the structures were kind of popped up in the 50s and 60s, largely abandoned by the 90s. And over the last 20 years has been super reclaimed by artists um, it kind of people use words like Burning Man and dystopian to describe it. Um, I could take issues with all those descriptors, but it kind of gives you a general gist of what's out there. And uh, our band Shiver went to go live in Bombay Beach for one month together pre-pandemic um, to write and record our kind of dystopian surf album. Yeah, and that was the first Shiver record that I was involved in. Yeah, he got in the van. I got in the van. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, and there's those other ones out there. It's like, have you heard the one? Uh, it's like ZZYZX Road. Yes. Yeah, that one's a crazy. St- I read the story behind that. That's like <laughs> super crazy. Um, you know the uh, Integratron. I, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, and then there's that there's a abandoned resort as well. It's like Lake on Lake Las Vegas, whatever it's called. Um, that like it's abandoned overnight. And it, but too much of a detour. Uh, abandoned place is a whole separate podcast episode. Um, yeah. While we had <laughs> while we had you on here, I, I did want to ask, uh, what is your favorite spaghetti western or t- top three? I guess it's a hard choice for one. Oh my gosh, that's such a good question that I've never been asked. Yeah. Um, really, that, that's really surprising considering like the inspiration for your music. Yeah, I, I I'm kind of shocked. <laughs> this is the first time this is um this is coming up. Um, well, I okay. I have to say that all, all of the musical projects, creative projects, um, in recent years that play with spaghetti western genres have very much also involved acknowledging a frustration of so much of pro- the problematic values embedded in those classic spaghetti westerns misogyny violence you know um the good stuff um and so from the beginning like especially with Sheverb, there's been this desire to kind of use the spaghetti western genre or lens or sounds to also call out the fact that embedded in those old stories we've been kind of worshiping a lot of bad values and there there isn't a whole lot of um place made for the other there isn't an honoring of the other there's a lot more extractionism of earth and 
um, you know, genocide, like portrayed very casually. And um, so like the whole what spaghetti Westerns do I like is actually is kind of a huge I don't really have a lot of old ones that I like because I get quite angry when I watch a lot of them. I much prefer to just listen to Enya Morricone, to be honest. <laughs> um, but the Western, it's not even a spaghetti Western. The Western that that upholds so many good juicy values that I think everyone should watch if you want a cool Western is um, is a movie called Blueberry. Okay. Has anyone heard of it on this call? No. Do you remember what it was? Oh, it was released in America under the name Renegade, but uh, it was originally released, I want to say like Norway or Sweden. Yeah, so like one of those. Um, one of those countries out there <laughs> called Blueberry. It's based on a 1970s comic book about a character named Blueberry um, and kind of all bound up in, in that storyline. It's a psychedelic Western that uh, the natives are the knowledge keepers and plant medicine is like integral to um, the truth that that all that everyone's seeking. I'll leave it at that. Okay, I'm Eddie look that up. In it and Juliet Lewis, really good. Okay. Michael Madsen, amazing cast. Huh? We watched it in the cottage in Joshua Tree while while making the <laughs> album. Yeah, I pushed this movie on. Yeah. Those who collaborate with me. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan, I've been talking a lot, so I'm going to let you ask some questions for a minute there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Um, I was reading about, uh, what was it? The Mesa, that album you, EP put out, and um, you put in some... Um, uh, the land stewardship projects and such um mm. what's going on with those like um so what kind of what does that entail really yeah that's so cool um and i'm like i'm having a, a moment that that it was it was just i feel kind of conflicted about being too public facing about this but um from the beginning, any music projects, and I really appreciate that Brad and Desert Records has been supportive of this. I've always wanted a percentage of income earned to go to a nonprofit. And for From the Mesa, that nonprofit was um, the NDN Collective for a land back initiative, which is giving money to uh, tribal nations to repurchase their land. Um, and the reason why I chose that that um th that recipient um for that project in particular was because man when, when when everything went crazy during the pandemic and society was kind of a scary place to be and we all needed to reorient and make sense of the world and maybe get back to what truths were present for us um kind of sinking into solitude up in the Mesa of Taos was like ultimate medicine. And there was a lot of time spent alone in that land and under the stars and um, just kind of, you know, getting back to listening to what mattered and trying to understand what lessons were being shared um, through the land. And at one point I was camping by myself um, up on kind of the Rio Grande Gorge area and 
had this moment of like, man, it's so beautiful here. You know, like, I should just buy land up here and I could live here. And, and, and I had this moment of realizing that, um, my immediate way of relating to land that I loved and land that had been like so nourishing and given me so much was to try and buy a piece of it so that I could stay on it. And the ridiculousness of that really kind of smacked me upside the face in that moment because I had just been living for free anyways, um, you know, cruising around in my van and doing the BLM land thing um, and kind of just the the grossness of that lens really jumped out at me. And, and I started thinking about what I could actually do to give back to the land in a way that it, you know, to reciprocate some of the gifts that I had been feeling from it um, during those crazy chaotic pandemic times. Um, and I really couldn't think of any better way to give a gift to the land than to help empower the stewards of the land who are going to do right by it. Nice. Right. Like if you're going to be there and take care of it, might as well have your monies and things of that nature and your efforts go to people that are going to do the same thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking. I, I certainly don't have any issues talking about it, but I do feel um, it's not something I try to like, you know, broadcast necessarily. Yeah, no, no, it's all good. It's all good. I, we, um, you know, we have a couple, um, projects that we do that we make you know to donate to and whatnot you know so it's it's um it's a cool way to give back and i thought that was an interesting way to do it you know like that's really neat cool. thank, thank, thank you, you for contributing to the last one that track that you gave us as well we appreciate that the uh mental health sampler last year absolutely it's so cool yeah. i really am so inspired by all the people i meet um walking this musical path that are doing such cool cool things using art to do am amazing beautiful things in this world and watching the ripples go out super cool Th and thanks for including uh me in it of course we actually have yeah. uh another one coming out we do one every year so the next one's coming out in may um uh, so we'd love to have a track from the new album if you want to contribute that again um and brad obviously same to you any anything that you've got going on with red mesa or any of your clients or label mates love to have you guys involved again yeah Oh yeah, for sure. I'll uh, I'll be sending you a bunch of tracks, and I'll make sure to to send you um one of Betty and Braden's new tracks too. Awesome. Yeah, we um I think it might end up being a lot bigger this year than usual because normally we're kind of like three or four weeks in before we get to the number of submissions we have now. It's like between yeah. thirty and forty in two days. Um, so yeah, oh, right. People are really getting on board, so it's great to see. Yeah, we I, I have, I'm curious. Idea. Oh, I'm curious your story of how you came to that project. So for me, um, I, have, I have like a lot of very personal uh, connections to mental health sort of issues, I guess, with my family, myself, my wife. Um, I've lost friends to suicide. Um, you know, it's just, just life happens. Uh, mental health is something that affects, I guess, almost everyone in the world in some way or another, whether it's you or someone you love or, or know. Um, so I definitely think that raising awareness is really important. Um, I mean, the funds are a bonus, but for us, it's it's all about raising awareness within the community, especially mm -hmm. because in in the underground and heavy music scene, there's there's a bit of a stigma, I guess, to being vulnerable, um, to coming across as 
people would call it weak, which it definitely is not uh, talking about your feelings and what's affecting you in your daily life. Um, right. We kind of want to break down those barriers a little, um, maybe make people realize that everyone kind of deals with these things. You're not alone. It's okay to talk about. You should talk about it. You should get help for the things that you need help with. Um, so that's that's my answer from my perspective, Brendan. Um, I'm sure you have your own yeah. own reasons. Yeah, I, I you know um, it's definitely a project I love. Um, I do a lot of it. Um, my uh, brother uh, was an addict and had a lot of problems and basically uh you know just always tried to help and trying to figure out ways to you know help um people that were going through addiction and you know i've lost friends and i lost him um and kind of giving back uh to mental health is i don't know it's important and it's kind of my way to help carry his torch Oh, that's beautiful. I'm sorry for your loss and thank you for sharing. Yeah, thank you. It's all about, um, you know, giving back and trying to, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do at the end of the day. Um, but if anything that we can do to help, you know, I'll be damned if I don't. Yeah, right on. Brendan, did you have any more of those uh, questions before I ask that uh, one of the saving that I ask every artist that comes <laughs> on now? Um, no, I was, I'm, I was good. I, um, yeah, we're good. You sure? Yeah. Okay. So this is a question I've started asking recently and it seems to always go down well. It's going to be an on the spot sort of thing, but, um, if you were stuck on a desert Island with a solar powered discman and three CDs, what would they be? Mm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's a tough one. I like that you put solar powered like Discman so all the time. I, I think the, I think you have some sci-fi writing perhaps in your future or something. <laughs> <Good detail. laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if that actually exists, but I'd like to hope it does. <laughs> it <all> could. <laughs> My answers change every time he asks this question. Yeah, that's yeah, it's gotta be like a a, a, a that's your answer is the answer of the moment, but um kind of, man, okay. three cds three cds um okay well i'll just start with um probably gonna have to have a spindrift album on there uh if you guys don't know spindrift but you like betty benedetti you should go check out spindrift they're uh a band from la that plays a lot out in the joshua tree area too um, that does kind of psychedelic spaghetti Western music. And I listened to them kind of on repeat for about two years, right when I was deciding to pick up guitar. So um, I think I've already gone through a chapter of listening almost exclusively to them. I'll say Ghost of the West. I like a lot of their albums, but that's a classic. Um, Would you take the Hermanos Gutierrez? Ooh. Oh, I love them. That's, a that's good been one. real solid lately. They're yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I, I only found, so they're actually playing near my house for only like $20. And I only found out about it after it sold out. It sold out like immediately. Um, uh, so super bummed out. They're incredible. Yeah. It really seems right for like all the occasions, like yeah. whatever's going on, just throw some Hermanos Gutierrez on in the background and um, it's going to be better than it was <laughs> moments before. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Okay, I love that. And um, hmm, 
I mean, something probably to dance to, you mm-hmm. know? Um, actually, I'm gonna, if wait, did you say we're on an island? We're on an island. Yes, island, exactly. Well, I, I'm going to go with some Dick Dale. We're going to need some oh, nice. surf music yeah. to like get through this, this surfy um, apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. I, I Any old Dick Dale album would make my list. That's my answer. I'm proud of that one. Great answer. <laughs> um, and then, uh, Brayden, uh, what about you? Oh, man, that's tough. That is so tough. Three albums. Brayden has a fantastically strange and diverse catalog of music. Yeah. Uh, I'm always learning new stuff from him. <laughs> I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can pull them out. And, uh, <laughs> if you want to nominate Brad to go first, you can. <laughs> yeah. Brad, do you want to do it? Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. Let's see. Something by Pink Floyd. Uh, maybe metal album. Probably go with that one just because it has echoes on it and you can just kind of, it's a long song. Um, mm. It's going to be on an island. You're going to, your sense of time is going to be stretched out. Oh, yeah. Um, so metal, I guess, by Pink Floyd. Uh, I love Indian classical raga music. So something by Ali Akbar Khan, I would say. Ooh, I'm uh, learning something new about you, Brad. I listen to a lot of that at home, especially in the morning. Um, I try to find old classical Indian raga music on vinyl or CDs. And um, I like that stuff because I can't count it. <laughs> like, I don't know how to count it. And so um, I don't understand how they play it. uh, And I don't understand how you play those instruments. So all of that adding into, I like what I'm hearing a lot, makes it (laughs) extremely uh, mystical. And um, and it's, I I don't, I I could just listen to it all day long and I don't get tired of it because I, I can't figure out what they're doing or catch a riff or something. You know what I mean? So that, and then, um, oh God, I'd have to have something heavy, uh, just to calm me down. Um, <laughs> oh shit. I don't know. Sabbath or tool or Caius or, um, something in there, you know? Yeah. Good spread. Yeah. I um, hope we're, dessert- I hope we're on the same abandoned Island. <laughs> <laughs> All using the same solar powered cd player yeah. it's Ten my tons. turn you got six cds yeah. <laughs> share the wealth brayden uh is no pressure if, if you can't narrow and down to three you're sweating by, by, by can't. it's okay can't. it's totally fine don't, don't worry <laughs> yeah um, i'll be on their desert island too and listen to their cds exactly we can all share um <laughs> Just before we wrap up, just because I have to duck out, unfortunately, I double booked myself uh, with a show that's on tonight that I completely got the dates wrong on. Um, Betty, you said that you might have another residency show coming up at the uh, at Joshua Tree. Do you want to tell people about that so they can be ready for it? Yes, I would say follow Betty Benedetti on the socials if you do that thing. Um, because we are cooking up some really special stuff in May. We hope to return to the Institute of Mental Physics and we'll be doing some real uh, unique shows, pulling together some of the friends um, that made at the Institute of Mental Physics. Even though Braden and I wrote 
the music together and largely recorded it, we did wrangle in quite an incredible group of um, local musicians, local to Joshua Tree that became friends out there that we invited to collaborate. We wanted to make it like as inclusive um, as possible. So we have um, Janie Cowan, incredible bass player playing uh, stand-up bass on most of the tracks. Um, Victoria Williams plays the 21 stringed Chinese Chinese instrument, the guzing. Yeah. Guzing. So- I might be saying that wrong and I apologize if I am. She plays that on Lullaby to the Stars. Um, and then we have Ron Therio playing a fantastically weird instrument that he made called the Xyla Monster. So what, <laughs> just, whatever, more story. We'll, we'll just have to do this again and we can tell you more of the weird stories behind some of the each of the tracks, really. But um, yeah, follow Betty Benedetti on socials and I'll be posting far and wide about all of these uh, unique offerings that will be happening around Joshua Tree in May. And between now and then, we are also cooking up all kinds of shows through the Southwest and we'll be making announcements on the socials too. Yeah, we'd love to have you back on again before that show, actually, so we can talk more about the tracks and maybe maybe help people hear about the show a little more heading up to the time. That'd be awesome. Um, Love yeah, to. Br- Brad, I, I want to get you back on as well. So I want to talk a little more about that amazing split that you've got coming up. Um, the Legends of the Desert Volume 3 with Fatso Jetson and Dalai Lama. Um, that's yeah. such, a, such a cool split that you managed to put that together. I love that. Yeah, that's cool. We got to talk about that because that's kind of how I first met Betty as I was talking to Betty and seeing if she ever wants to be part of that Legends of the Desert series. We're, I was calling it the Gunslinger series, and that kind of goes back to the conversation she hit on about um you know sort of our uh uh, our perspective of the american west and and western movies and and Mm. cowboys and indians and and stuff like that and um and you know part of the whole reason that it ended up being called legends of the desert not the gunslinger series is a conversation that betty and i had in person and uh that led to uh pandemic happening well that didn't that conversation didn't create the pandemic um but um butterfly effect Brad. who knows <laughs> um uh you know pandemic happened and betty sent me a an email that went to my spam folder oh i forgot about that and it was her submission of uh from the mesa album and asked if i wanted to put it out on desert records and i didn't know that i had it and uh, somehow it circled back around or I looked in my spam folder. I was like, oh, fuck, I get, what, what is this? And I checked it out. I was like, oh, yeah, this is like so perfect. This is like exactly the vibe of music that fits perfectly into into what I'm doing with with Desert Records and, um, you know, bands that capture capture this vibe and the environment of the desert and the music. And, um, you know, it doesn't matter if it's uh ambient or experimental or instrumental or um singer songwriter or a rock band or it's heavy metal or whatever or doom it kind of covers it's more than that it's you know capturing the this this feeling and the essence and and a true love for the for the the desert areas of whether it be you know north america or africa or you know wherever um kind of capturing that and uh or south america i mean there's a lot of cool deserts all over the world on 
pretty much all continents and yeah australia is mostly desert yeah <laughs> right we got a lot of places to go yeah oh, right, yeah. right and so that's sort of like the whole thing that's i just that was my thing with the label and so it, I, it was just so cool and um so i'm just really happy to have have these guys you know on the label and we're working with them and it's just always fantastic to work with them so uh betty benedetti and Braden guesses debut full-length album is out on desert records now uh digital download and cds on Bandcamp and on www.desertrecords.us streaming on all major platforms we are working on some other special physical releases for this that are going to come out throughout the next year um to satisfy everybody's favorite physical format so we're working on that um but go check it out now it's super rad it's catchy man it's super catchy yeah i hard agree definitely um and i'm I, definitely gonna this is gonna be part one of uh of this interview we're gonna pick things up and carry on talking about this album uh and a few of the other things we, we mentioned tonight so if you've enjoyed this chat, everyone, uh, stay tuned. There will be a part two. And uh, thank you to everyone for coming on. We really appreciate you taking the time. Sorry, uh, I had to cut it short on my end, but uh, we appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for what you're doing. Appreciate being on. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. No Thanks, James and Brendan. You guys have a great one. Thanks so much for having us on. You too. Yeah, thank absolutely. you. And anyone listening, uh, tune in next time. We'll have another guest everyone, and uh, stay tuned for this part two. This is James from Cave Dweller Music. We have a very special episode for you today, which features three parts, uh, each of which has guests who are going to talk about their year in music. We have a round table featuring brick or label owners from multiple labels that CDM are friends with. We have... Access, thank you.